0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Shap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. By minnowsplus.com, from baits to waders. If it helps you catch a fish, they have it. And now, from the Short Grass, here is your host, Trey Shapp.
1: Welcome back to another edition of From the Shortgrass. I am your host, Trey Schaap. We've got a lot to get to today, so we're going to jump right in. How about the United States Open out at Torrey Pines? John Rahm, a final round, four under, 67, gives him a final four-day total of 278, minus six. He wins by one over Louis Oosthuizen. Louis shot even par 71 on his final round to finish at minus five Harris English finishes third at minus three a lot to get to today on this edition of from the Shortgrass. I want to tell you about our friends at Blackman Auctions since 1938 when the first Blackman Auction was conducted three generations later Blackman remains family owned and operated you can find them on the web at blackmanauctions.com we've got our rules segment coming up a little bit later in the podcast with Adam Carney But first, we're going to sit down and talk to the chief operating officer out at the Elotion Club, Mr. Dan Snyder.
2: That's coming up after this break. Stay with us. Minnows Plus is your local source for live bait and live well supplies. They carry the entire line of Sure Life products, everything from better bait and finer shiner to no ammonia products to keep your bait and your catch thriving till you get back to the dock. They are the best source for all your private land ponds. Minnows Plus has fish food and pond fertilizer to keep your pond healthy and thriving all year long. If you own or run a bait and tackle shop and need to resupply, contact Minnows Plus and ask about their wholesale prices. Open to the public and walk-ins are welcome. Find them on the web at minnowsplus.com.
3: This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. Me sponsoring a golf show is great irony. I've been a phenomenally bad golfer for 30 years. I don't know the difference between a penalty area and a bunker. I like it, but I'm really bad. You listen to this show and to Trey because he's a great golfer and knows the game backwards and forwards. I know auctions like Trey knows golf. I've been a professional auctioneer for 30 years. I know auctions. Trey knows golf. Listen to the correct expert. Call me to learn about auctions, not Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman auctions. Welcome back to From the Shortgrass, on the tee,
1: a good friend of mine and a great golfer and a really great guy, Dan Snyder, Chief Operating Officer of the Elotion Club. Well, Mr. Snyder, thanks so much for sitting down with us here on From the Shortgrass. It's great to have you on.
4: When did you first get started with the game of golf? I was 11 years old, and uh, my father worked for a man that played golf, and he wanted my my dad to play and they needed to caddy. So my brother and I went out to caddy. So the first thing you know about golf is caddying, hope, yes. carrying the bag. Yeah. I caddy for my dad. My brother caddied for his boss. My brother's two and a half years younger. And uh, my dad paid me a dollar and a quarter for 18 holes. And my brother got a dollar and a half. So when did you start playing the game? Right after that, the local golf professional there, uh, he had, there were a lot of kids caddying. I was big into baseball at that time, Little League Baseball, and uh, he came up one day and said, have you ever played golf? And I said, no, sir. And he said, why don't you give it a shot? And I said, I don't have any clubs. And he said, I'll, I'll loan you some stuff to start, and took me out to driving range and said, this is the way you grip it, and in those days you hit your own balls. And he gave me a little bag of balls, and he said, don't lose them. And I went out there and just started hitting on my own, and he would, from time to time, he would come out there and walk up and look at me and... He was gruff. I mean, he would walk up and he'd go, I didn't tell you to hold a club like that. If you're not going to listen, I'm not going to pay attention to you. And he'd turn around and walk off. And he'd come back and he'd go, now that's the way I told you to hold the club.
1: When did you realize that you wanted to make this a profession?
4: Trey, I got into the business by accident. I was a senior in college trying to graduate and I was married. And uh, we didn't have two nickels to put together. And the golf pro where the team played, where I'd played, Uh, At the public course, uh, one day stopped me and said, listen, uh, one of my assistants has taken another job and I'm looking for an assistant pro. And, you know, you've been out here and around here for a long time. I got to think you'd be really good at it. He said, why don't you come to work for me? And I said, well, Mr. Baker, I'd love to do something like that because I need a job and I need the money, but I'm still going to school. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, you get all your classes in the mornings and you can work afternoons and weekends. Said, that's a great deal. So I went to work for him, and, I mean, you know, I needed the job, and I just loved it.
1: Let's go back to uh, Waterwood National. Tell us a little bit about that great golf course.
4: Well, it was uh, designed by uh, Roy Dye. I think Pete had a lot to do with it. Uh, it was considered one of the most difficult golf courses in the, in the country when it was first built. We hosted the PGA Tour Finals. It was four rounds at that time. All I remember about that is that 300 qualified for the tour for four rounds, so that tells you. It was um, a resort course just north of Houston, and it was a a development, but it was just a a really, really great golf course. Uh, You know, in those days, they had one mini-tour. Really, it was uh, national golf and uh, a guy named Donnie Powers ran it, and he came in and said, we'd love to have some events here. So we hosted a couple of those. Jay Fox played. We had a lot of guys that went on to the tour out of that one that ended mm-hmm. up getting their tour cards. And, uh, and like I said, we hosted PGA Tour Finals, and it was it was a great place to be.
1: And you left there, kind of stayed in the Houston area, Katy, Texas, to uh, Falcon Point.
4: Yes, Bruce Devlin uh, and Bob Von Hagee were building a new golf course on the west side called Falcon Point. They called me one day and said, would you be interested in talking to us? And so I had a, a pretty good opportunity, and I went to, uh, across the Katy to Falcon Point. And I was there until 1989, and uh, some friends of mine called and said, there's a new golf course being built in Little Rock, and we think you might be a great fit there. So I came up and interviewed for it and got the job.
1: Explain the difference in the two courses. I mean, I could do it.
4: But I, I would say, well, one's wide open, the other one's tree-lined and tight. Uh, that would be the first impression. It would be. Uh, of course, now they've changed grasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put bent grass in, in the new course or in the uh, buried-in course. And the old uh, original course is now Bermuda. The original golf course, the Founders course, the rough originally was fescue. And, of course, it, was, it burned out in the summertime, so we ended up changing it. But – it's more of a scores golf course, and it's also more of a golf course where keeping the ball in front of you and below the hole is probably more important than it is uh, on the second golf course. Mm-hmm. But they didn't want the same thing. They wanted two golf courses that, like you say, one is a little easier driving the ball, might be a little tougher around the greens, and then the second one is a tougher driving the ball, and the greens really aren't as, as uh, undulating probably as – as founders,
1: did you start teaching at Chennault, or did you teach a little bit at, at
4: Waterwood and then at, at Falcon Point? Or I did you a lot really start
1: your teaching towards Chenal?
4: Before that, my teaching really got started. Um, my first job in Houston was with Club Corp. Okay. And they sent me to a resort course called April Sound. Young man there, a high school player that was working there when I took the job, came in and I started trying to help him. He asked me to watch him hit some balls. And I love teaching. Anyway, he uh, turned out that he'd been taught by Bob Tosky, and uh, wow. he, he and his dad came in one day and said, "We want you to go to Florida to meet Bob Toskey, And I went, "No, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that." <laughs> and uh, they just insisted. Well, unbeknownst to me, they had told Bob about me, and when we got down there, he wrapped his arm around mine and said you're coming with me and i spent the day and he would walk up like if you were there he would walk up and say trey this is a young golf professional from houston texas and uh, he and i are going to watch you hit some balls and i'm going to see what he has to say about your golf swing so won't you hit some and you'd start hitting balls and he'd say what do you see what would you tell him what what order would you work in what 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 terminology would you use and we did it all day at the end of the day he he said you've got a really good eye and he said, your terminology is terrible. <laughs>
1: and, uh, Just what you
4: wanted to hear. Right. And he, and then he said, uh, listen, there's two types of golf professionals. There's players and there's teachers. And he said, I haven't seen you play, but uh, if you were that good a player, you probably wouldn't be a club pro. So would you be interested in becoming a great teacher? And I said, that's what I'd like to do. And he said, well, I'll help you. And that was my start. And then that was in 1980. Okay. And I, st- I went back to Houston and this young man that, I was telling you about uh, won the state high school championship and a couple of other kids did really well. And then all of a sudden a couple of the college kids called and I had a couple of them. One of my college players got his tour card the next year. And uh, then I don't know, all of a sudden college players were calling me and tour players were calling and I loved it. So I just kept doing it.
1: When you look at some of those pros that you've worked with, I know Glenn Day mm-hmm. is on the list, but who are some of the others?
4: Oh, my goodness. Billy Ray Brown, Trevor Dodge, Jadon Blake. I worked with Daly for a while. That was interesting. I was going to say, how, how, <laughs> <laughs> when you
1: see him take that club back, what were some of the conversations with, with Big John?
4: You know, I want to say that if, I, if I ever was smart enough to do something, it was to realize that he had all the talent in the world and I didn't need to change anything. With, with him, it was just trying to say, what's the feel of the swing and let's keep what works, let's keep it working. And uh, so there wasn't a grip change or a setup change or a swing change with John. It was just trying to keep him in the same mode all the time. I know
1: when you were the head pro at Chennault, supporting the University of Arkansas at Little Rock or UA Little Rock is what they like to be called now, was a big part of that. Yeah. And when Norwood was the golf coach at the time and now it's Jake Harrington for the first time ever they advanced to the ncaa championships this year i know you were proud for for the the program
4: i really am you know I, i've just that's our college team here i mean everybody's a razorback fan and i get that and i am too but uh in little rock uh, you know we we have a university and we have a, a team that i was really proud they represented the city and the state and made it to a national tournament and you know when started that program and i i, I I think sometimes we forget to give him the credit because he took it when there wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was successful. Now, they they had really good teams. They just didn't get to the Nationals. And, uh, you know, truthfully, Jake is, I think Jake's doing good. Until this year, we hadn't had that success. So uh, whatever we need to do in this community, you know, we, we started a golf tournament that we have in August every mm-hmm. year to try to help them financially. And all the kids all the players uh men's and women's come out there and uh they play with the people that play in the event and, and you get to know who the kids are and it's just uh to me it's special
1: let's go to your time at chanel you're out there and you've been there for several years and, and you get a call from mr warren stevens he wants you to start another club yeah how did that conversation first go down
4: you know before he finally called me and, and said he was ready to build a golf course he had told me a few years earlier that he was going to build the club I'd told him uh, even then I said if you build that I, I want to be a part of it so it was over the two or three or four years however many years it was every once in a while we'd we'd talk about caddies or we'd talk about grass or we'd talk about carts or architects and so we'd talked about it back and forth and uh, he called one day and He said, I'm ready to build a golf course. And I said, well, then I'm ready to go to work for you. He had a vision. Oh boy. Did he ever. And, uh, you know, even more than myself, I knew, uh, what he wanted to build. I thought, and I had my thoughts about what I hoped it would be, but it exceeded by, I can't tell you by how much, so much in in what he wanted and what his vision was from day one. And so for me. It was it was heaven come true. I just all I had to do was follow the blueprint.
1: When trees started getting knocked down, land was moved. When did you start to see that layout mold together and how it was
4: looking as it was being constructed? A couple of things, Trey. First, we really were lucky. We didn't hit any rock to speak of except at the location where the clubhouse is. Really? Yeah. I mean, we moved a lot of dirt, and we did hit some rock, but we didn't do any blasting. We thought, wow, we're going to have a lot of rock. We didn't. As we went through, Mr. Fazio did a routing plan. Mr. Stevens would look at it, and we'd talk about it, we'd give it back to him with some thoughts, and they'd redo it. And I think he did seven routings, one routing, but ended up seven revisions. And uh, he would talk to us about what he was doing, and he'd talk about cut and fill, taking dirt from high and bringing it to low, and flattening and shaping, and then he talked about the views or the vistas. And, and so I started to get a concept of it just from that. Once we went in and took the trees out, and and there, you could see this is where the hole was going to go. There wasn't a bunker. There wasn't a green, but you could tell, you know, the elevation changes and the turns and the slopes. I knew then it was going to be something. And his Fazio's vision, it's like Warren had a vision for the club, but how Tom Fazio can look at that. I remember early on Warren and I standing with uh, uh, Mr. Fazio, and and he was saying, now this hole's going to be a beautiful par four with, down a little left to right slope and there's going to be a great view of the lake and we're standing in 80 foot tall pine trees couldn't see from me to you and Warren and I kind of looked at each other and I said what is he talking about <laughs> <laughs> right so but he just you know he was uh, and he was a joy to work with and I feel like a good friend of mine I still talk to him three or four times a year and the views are spectacular for anybody that's ever been out there,
1: and I know it's there's the public has been invited to a couple of events, and there are some others in the works that the, I believe the public will be invited to. So if you have not been out to the Elotion Club, your, your chance is coming. For the members, I, I would assume that they just rave over what that course is, the playability of it, how difficult it can be at times, and the hospitality that
4: you get when you show up. Well, again, I'll go back to Mr. Stevens. I mean, he had a vision for what he wanted, and and, uh, from day one, the lotion was an experience. It it wasn't just a golf club. It was an experience, and it's about from the time you arrive till the time you leave, and and, uh, again, I got to be a part of it, but it was, was, and I, I wouldn't leave out Mrs. Stevens. She was a big part of it as well. And uh, people wouldn't know that. But the two of them together, they knew what they wanted. and They did it. They did it, yes.
1: He didn't really open the doors to tournament golf on a national scene. At first, he had his dad's trust and the tournament for the members. But he brought in big-time names in golf. How did that all come about?
4: Mr. Stevens, Jack Stevens, was very philanthropic. And he did so much for Little Rock in Arkansas. And a lot of times he did it and didn't really want people to even know that it was him. I had said one time that I wish we could do something that would really give. And Jack was gone by the time that happened. and So we we decided to put together an event in his name to raise money for charity in central Arkansas. So we talked about the concept and we got the sponsors put together. And at the time, I was a staff professional for Nike. I went to Bob Woods, who was the president of Nike Golf, along with Kim Backus, and told him what we wanted to do, hoping that Nike would want to support us or sponsor us and be a part of it. And uh, Bob Woods said, you know, I, th- I think we can get Tiger for a day for you guys not a home run grand slam home oh my run, gosh yeah. yeah at that day in yeah, time yeah. he's he's basically in his prime and tiger actually uh when he came out that day to do it it was his first appearance after his father died so that was kind of a uh, special thing too but tiger came to do the first one and then uh, through uh associations we called and uh through friendships and we got Phil Mickelson to come, and then, of course, uh, we got Mr. Palmer to come, and then Phil came back for that one because Mr. Palmer didn't want to do the clinic at that at, at that stage of his life, Then we got Mr. Nicholas, and then the last one, we got the, most of the uh, living Ryder Cup captains, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, uh, and, you know, you got uh, things like those Ryder Cup captains, those guys came because of Jack Stevens and Warren Stevens. That's why they came.
1: I remember back when Tiger won his first Masters, Jack Stevens was the chairman of Augusta National.
4: Mm-hmm, that's right. But
1: he wasn't in Butler Cabin to put the jacket on. It was Joe Ford, who was the vice chairman mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. but Nick Faldo. I believe, was the one that put the green jacket on Tiger the first time. Right. Yeah, I think that's right.
4: Yeah, I think it's right. I think Jack is the one that made those decisions. I mean, he's the one that wanted Joe Ford to do it. Obviously, Joe was great, voice. great at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. terrific. And, but again, it's just a relationship.
1: It's kind of ironic that you had two Arkansans, yeah. a golf course that is probably the most recognized golf course in the world, and you've got an Arkansan that's the chairman and an Arkansan that's the
4: vice chairman. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really special. And and people don't think about that much, but that is true. It's, It's really something.
1: Mr. Stevens, Warren Stevens, that is, has hosted the Western Amateur, the Arnold Palmer Cup. But for golfers in the state of Arkansas, in 2027, the Elotion Club is going to host the Arkansas State Golf Association Men's and Women's Amateur. Right. That's
4: big news. I think it is, too. Again, this goes back to Warren Stevens' commitment to not just golf, but he has a kind of a special place for amateur golf. That's why he hosted the Western Amateur. That's why he hosted the Palmer Cup. You know, he's had uh, several different opportunities over the years, but his interest has always been in, in more in amateurs. And uh, stepping up to do this is uh, what's well, good for amateur golf, but it's, it's, it's good for golf in general. And it's really good for Arkansas, Little Rock, and, and again, men and women. So, I mean, he's doing something that is promoting this game and it's growing this game, and, and that's what we need. He didn't have to do it, but it's something that he wanted to do, and I hope people really appreciate uh, all the things. Warren's like Jack in that Warren does a lot of things, Warren and Harriet. They do a lot of things that people really don't know about, you know? And he's not looking for the publicity. But in my mind, uh, in, in my admiration for the, the whole Stevens family, I I would like for people to realize and know what all he's done. and This is really special.
1: This uh, fall, you're going to have the— the best eight collegiate golf teams at the Elotion Club. Uh, this is another way of helping promote the youth, the amateurs, because mm-hmm. collegiate golfers are still amateurs, players that you might potentially see on the PGA Tour someday.
4: Probably, yeah, potentially. No, it's probably. It's, you're going to see the best players in college golf. And, you know, they, they put this together uh, in this last year. Uh, I really, myself, was hoping that this would be the Warren Stevens. Warren hadn't taken any credit for anything either, as I said before. And we did that deal for Jack. And you know, it is what it is. Warren Warren wouldn't do it. He didn't. He did want his name up in the lights, I guess. But they put this together, and and it's it's unique. It's not just the best college teams and players, but it's going to rotate. I mean, uh, we start this year. Next year, it's going to Seminole. Uh, yeah. You know, there's not many clubs in the in the world that have a better reputation than Seminole. And they just the, hosted the Walker Cup this year. That's right. And then the third year, it's going to Trinity Forest in Dallas, which just hosted mm-hmm. a PGA Tour event. And then I think they haven't announced yet what the fourth one is. But I think it's going to be a four-course rotation, and then it'll come back.
1: So, so every four years. Yeah. That's something. Well, Mr. Snyder, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this I, we could talk for – Hours upon hours about golf because I, I mean it's a game I love I know you love it you've dedicated your whole life to it I remember one time I came out to you for a lesson when I was little and didn't have much money and you looked at my swing and thank goodness you didn't say well, why don't you take a couple of days off and then quit I don't know but I that's... I will tell you the greatest text from you was after
4: I won the Mall Mall Classic. I remember. It meant a lot. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I think in our it's relationships, right? In in our world, I know, you know, when someone wins a tournament, how much hard work went into that? People don't win golf tournaments without a lot of effort, a lot of work, a lot of dedication, and sometimes they get a pat on the back and they hand them a trophy and off you go. But it's nice at the end of the day when the people that really understand it 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 doesn't take much to call and say, hey, good job. Thanks for your time. This has been fun. Well, it has for me, too. And, I, I, you know, I'm like you. I love the game. And so anything that we can do to promote this game, because people can play it their entire lives. It's not something that when you get out of school, you have to quit. And I think that's one of the great things about it, too. So thanks for what you do.
1: Our special thanks to Dan Snyder for coming in and sitting down with us. For those of you golfers who love to fish, you need to check out minnowsplus.com. They have all of your bait and tackle needs right there on the web, minnowsplus.com. You can order. They'll ship it to you, minnowsplus.com.
3: We're back after this. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. Me sponsoring a golf show is great irony. I've been a phenomenally bad golfer for 30 years. I don't know the difference between a penalty area and a bunker. I like it, but I'm really bad. You listen to this show and to Trey because he's a great golfer and knows the game backwards and forwards. I know auctions like Trey knows golf. I've been a professional auctioneer for 30 years. I know auctions trey knows golf listen to the correct expert call me to learn about auctions not trey since 1938 better auctions are blackman auctions
2: Minnows Plus is your local source for live bait and live well supplies. They carry the entire line of Sure Life products, everything from better bait and finer shiner to no ammonia products to keep your bait and your catch thriving till you get back to the dock. They are the best source for all your private land ponds. Minnows Plus has fish food and pond fertilizer to keep your pond healthy and thriving all year long. If you own or run a bait and tackle shop and need to resupply, contact Minnows Plus and ask about their wholesale prices. Open to the public and walk-ins are welcome. Find them on the web at minnowsplus.com. Now on the tee
1: with our weekly rules segment, here's PGA Master Professional Adam Carney. Adam, loose impediments. You can move them, and now in a bunker you can move loose impediments. If there's a Mm -hmm. twig Mm -hmm. around your golf ball and it's going to impact your swing, Mm -hmm. as long as the golf ball does not move when you're moving that twig, you can move that
5: twig out, you can move a rock, you can move a leaf, whatever. Let's just hit on real quick. A loose impediment is something that is natural. Um, that's not attached that's that's not attached fixed or growing um so it could be a twig it could be a stone it could be anything again that's natural and we we talk about also i think there's there was a decision that talked about how um, a bench that's made of wood wood is natural but it's been transformed into something that is not natural so it's no longer a loose impediment it's an obstruction but the big change obviously is being able to remove loose impediments in a bunker. uh, we did have a conditional option uh, for years now with stones and bunkers um, where stones and bunkers um, could interfere with the lie of the golf ball, um, the area in which you're going to strike it. Could damage um, the club. Could damage the club. The stone could come out, fly into a gallery or, or a fellow competitor or opponent and strike them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it, – I, I think, you know, when it's all said and done – Bunkers weren't really designed to be to have stones in. they're designed to have sand in them, right. so um you know, I think what I go back to is the decision from years ago about the half eaten pear. I don't know if anyone that's a rules guy or gal probably knows knows that one It, you know you've got a you've got a guy in the group and a gal in the group in front of you, and she's eating a pear and she eats half of it, doesn't want any anymore, and tosses it into the bunker, and your ball comes to rest up against that pear. Well, that that pair is a natural object, so by definition is a loose impediment, and you can't move it. And that's that's obviously not fair. Um, so, you know, now we can move those loose impediments. And again, people people say, well, when's that going to happen? Well, it happened. That's why it's in the rule book. You know, that mm-hmm. that's why it made it into the what we call the decisions book for years. It's it's happened, so we had to address it and put it in there. And here was the decision that was made. So, um, yeah, loose impediments are. I mean, we've always been able to remove loose impediments, you know, anywhere on the golf course except in a penalty area or a bunker. Um, And now we can move them anywhere, including the bunker. Um, One thing to note is sand and loose soil are not loose impediments, except on the putting green. So if if you've played a shot out of the bunker and – you, the sand just went flying onto the bunker and just completely covered up my line of putt. I've always been able to remove that, and you can remove it with a hat, a towel, your hand, your hand, a club, a yeah, club. Yeah, that's fine. Interestingly, you know, sand and loose soil are not loose impediments if your if your ball's not on the green, so you cannot remove those. However, in the same situation, um, let's say you're you're hitting a shot. Uh, my ball is on the collar of the green, say three feet off the green. You hit that shot, and now all of a sudden I've got all this sand on the collar in front of me. Well, now it's a loose impediment, but it's not on the green. But I'm entitled to the lion line that I had prior to you making your stroke. So under those circumstances, you know, it's kind of one of those equity decisions. We, I, can, I can move that. Um, because you disrupted my line but with your shot. But if you are the player that hits the bunker shot, the ball does not get onto the green, but yet the sand disperses and mm-hmm. it's on the green now in front of your ball. Tough luck. Yeah, tough luck to start somewhere. Yeah, that's just one of those things. It's uh, you know the, the the it's the chicken or the egg. What was there first, <laughs> the sand, the sand or the ball? Right. Most likely the sand. <laughs> right so so yeah under those circumstances yeah you're gonna you're gonna not be able to remove that
1: if you've got a question on the rules of golf email us from the shortgrass at gmail.com we'll get it answered time to give a couple of shout outs here on from the shortgrass our aces in the hole Jack Williams number three at Sheridan Country Club and four ball win number thirteen a couple of weekends ago so congratulations Jack and Bruce Dickey, Paragould Country Club number two. I believe it was about 125 yards. He did not use a five iron, ladies and gentlemen. I was told he used a pitching wedge. Congratulations on the holes in one. If you have a hole in one, let us know about it. Email us from the shortgrass at gmail.com. I leave you with our quote of the day. Arnold's place in history will be as the man who took golf from being a game for the few to a sport for the masses. He was the catalyst who made that happen. That is from Jack Nicholas. Make sure you repair your ball marks on the green and a couple of others and I hope to see you next time from the short grass.
0: You've been listening to From the Short Grass a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. From the Short Grass is brought to you by minnowsplus.com and Blackman Auctions. This has been a presentation
3: of the Buzz Radio Network.